Hello, Ashley Posen here. I am so excited to get to share with you our live radio show now on podcast. I pray you enjoy and are richly blessed by our study of women of the Bible. God has no greater joy than to hear that his children are walking in the truth. We are dedicated to letting the truth of God's word lead us. You are listening to One Truth Ministries podcast. Here is your host, Ashley Posey. Okay, I want us to jump right into this today. Like I said, if you have not been here before, we are going through Women of the Bible. We spent several weeks talking about the woman of Eve, and now we are discussing and looking at the life of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And today will be our final um, look, taking a look at her life. This will be our last session that we go through on Sarah. And so just to jump right into where we left off, we have looked at the trials of faith that Sarah has walked through. We have even looked at the timing of faith in her life. Because remember, sometimes as we are going through this journey of faith in growing and knowing our God and our Lord, there is timing issues. It is so much better when we allow for the timing of God to take place instead of rushing through those doors or trying to help him out, trying to do it on our own. And where last we left Sarah, after 10 more years of waiting for the promise, she decided to help God out a little bit, took matters into her own own hands. And if you remember this, she then offered her slave Hagar to Abraham, and he ended up having a son through her named Ishmael. Now, this ended up not working out well, not only for Sarah and for Abraham, but there's been a constant contention between the children of Ishmael, the Arab people, and the children of Isaac, the Israel, the Israelite people, for centuries and, and many, many, many years up to this very point. And so... This is where we are. This is where Sarah was. She had offered her slave to Abraham in order to help fulfill this promise. Now, remember, we have to take into consideration that up to the very point where we pick up today, Sarah herself has never heard from God personally. Remember, everything that she has done so far has been through faith, first of all, in her husband that he is hearing from God, and secondly, believing that there is a God who is directing them. She herself has never heard from him, and not only that, Up until the very chapter I want to share with us right now, she has not been mentioned in this promise to Abraham. So far, all God has said is that you will have a son and I will make your your descendants larger and greater in number than the stars in the sky. But he has not mentioned how that was going to come to pass. He has not mentioned Sarah up to this point. So you can imagine how she must wonder and struggle with her doubts and not knowing if she is included in this promise or not. So you can kind of see exactly why she finally, after waiting so many years, decides, you know what, why don't you take my slave and maybe she can help this promise be fulfilled. She did not know she was a part of it, not until now, not until this day I want to talk about, because finally she is going to be able to wrestle out her doubt with the Lord and everything changes. Today is so exciting because we have walked with her through trials of faith. We have walked with her through timing of faith, but today we are going to get to see the triumph of her faith. I want to just read you this so you know what I'm talking about. Chapter 17 is where I am. Verse 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. And he has this entire conversation with Abram, and he changes his name to Abraham. But I want you to pick up in this conversation 
starting in verse 15, this is what he finally says to Abraham. God says to Abraham, as for your wife, Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will now be her name. Listen to what he says here. I will bless her. We already know he's planning on blessing Abraham, but for the first time, he declares that not only will he bless Abraham, he will bless her. In fact, he's going to say it twice. In verse 16, I will bless her. Indeed, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will produce nations. Kings of people will come from her. Listen to what Abraham does. It says in verse 17, he fell face down and then he laughed Where are we going to hear that book next after this? He fell face down. He laughed and he said to himself, can a child be born to a hundred year old man? Can Sarah, a 99 year old woman give birth? So Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael were acceptable to you. Do you even see right now? Abraham is doubting God. Even he himself is laughing. This is something that we've always chided Sarah for doing. And we'll see that she'll do that in a second. But we have to understand something. Abraham was right there with her. He was laughing. He was questioning and doubting um, whether or not this could actually happen, so much so, so that he asks God to take Ishmael and make his covenant through him. But what we will know very shortly is that was never God's plan. It was never his intention. His seed, his covenant was not going to come through the flesh. It was going to come through the spirit of God and through the promise that he had made to Abraham. He was going to make a new covenant with him. And so here we are in chapter 18. Sarah is finally going to get to see um, God for herself, get to hear from him herself. And like I said, it changes everything. It's a powerful moment. And so chapter 18, verse one, it says, then the Lord appeared to Abraham while he was sitting in the entrance of his tent during the heat of the day. So we know that Abraham looked up and there actually was three visitors that came to him and he begged them to stay and to let him serve them something to eat that they could refresh themselves. And so it talks about that. And finally, they replied, yes, go ahead and serve us. Do as you have said. So what does Abraham do in verse six? It says he hurries to the tent and he says to Sarah, quick, Need three measures of the finest flour and make bread quick. Meanwhile, Abraham ran off to the herd and got a tender choice calf. He gave it to a young man who hurried to prepare it. And then Abraham took the curds and the milk and the calf that had been prepared and set them all before the men. And he served them and they ate under the tree. I just got to pause right there. Ladies, can you imagine her quick response to hospitality? Think about how hard this would have been back then. There's no ovens or microwaves. In comes her husband and just says, quick, whip up some bread, make this calf and this curds. And he, she does it. She's so quick um, to act in obedience and hospitality. And it's such a cool thing, especially when she didn't have all the luxuries that we have today. And yet she did this. Now I want to pick up in verse nine, because this is where Sarah's going to come into it. So they ask Abraham, where is your wife, Sarah? And he says, there in the tent. And now the Lord speaks. It says, the Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in about a year's time and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old and getting on in years. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. So she does what? She does exactly what Abraham does. She laughed to herself. After I have become shriveled up and my Lord is old, will I have this delight? But the Lord asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? saying, can I really have a baby when I am old? Now we know she can hear them. So he's saying it to Abraham, but he's really saying it to her. 
He says, can I really have a baby when I am old? And now he's going to ask something that is the second most important question that we can ever answer. The first most important question we will ever answer is something Jesus asks, who do you say I am? That is the first question that we will be asked and that we need to answer for ourselves. Who do you say Jesus Christ is? But you know what? The second most important question to me that we will answer is this one right here. So after Sarah laughs and he calls her out on it, he asks this question in verse 14. Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And he says at the appointed time, I will come back. And in about a year, she will have a son. Now this moment, Sarah denies it. I didn't laugh, she said, because she was afraid. But the Lord replied, no, you did laugh. This is amazing at this point because God is showing her that he knows everything about her. He knows it all. He knew she laughed. He knew she struggled with doubt that she had questioned and wondered. He knew she had taken matters into her own hands. He knew all of this. And yet he poses a question to her that he asks us as well. And I want you to hear it as that today, especially if you know what it's like to go through trials of faith. If you know what it's like waiting on that perfect timing of God and in that season of waiting, you're wondering if you should be doing something to make this thing happen. I want you to hear what he says to Abraham and Sarah. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? You see, this question brought her struggle with doubt to a place of choice. And he then, the Lord then promised her right after asking her this, that she would in fact have a son this time next year. This was the moment she was she going to believe or was she going to allow doubt to defeat her? That was the question before Sarah. It is always the question before us as well. Was she going to believe or was she going to allow doubt to defeat her? Well, we can already know the ending of this story actually from Hebrews 11, 11. I just want to go ahead and read it to you so you know what her choice was. Hebrews 11, 11 says this, and it's incredible. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. You see, she was posed with this question, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything impossible for our God? And you know what the Bible tells us? It commends her for her great faith. And it says, by her faith, she received the power to conceive. You know why? Because she wrestled with that and came to the conclusion that the one who had promised was faithful. She believed him. She believed him. It's amazing to me. Now, of course, what's awesome is if we jump to chapter 20, um, 21, I believe I want us to jump over there really quick because God is finally going to do for Sarah and Abraham what he had promised. She is finally going to see the triumph of this faith in God. And it's incredible to me because God is going to bring forth the life that she had waited a lifetime to experience. When Sarah's womb was dead, God was going to bring forth life. I hope you can hear this today because this is so important to us. God is in the business of bringing back to life that which was once dead. And I want to encourage you on that. He shows us that time and time again. If there is something that has been dead in your life, whether it's a relationship or a job or a dream or a vision, 
or forgiveness. God is in the business of bringing back to life that which was once dead. He did it for Lazarus. He did it for Sarah. He did it for Jesus Christ. And that same power that conquered the grave lives in you. Is there anything too hard for our God? Chapter 21 is something I want to read to you because here it is, the moment that they've finally been waiting for. It's coming to pass. Chapter 21, verse 1, it says this, The Lord came to Sarah as he said he would, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised he would. Sarah did become pregnant, and she bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And at the appointed time, God told him that it would happen. Abraham named his son who was born to him, the one Sarah bore to him, Isaac. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. So Sarah says this, God has made me laugh and everyone who hears is going to laugh with me. She also said, who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne a son for him in his old age. And this child grows up and it's wonderful. And about three or four years old, he's weaned. And as was the custom of the day, they throw a big party, a huge celebration. And Sarah sees something that causes her to speak out almost prophetically what needs to take place. And to us, this might seem harsh. And yet God is the one who backed her up in this. You see, at this party that they threw for Isaac, they noticed that Ishmael was mocking him and being mean. It was was a very aggressive word that's used here that could have even alluded to physical abuse. And so Sarah gets very upset and she tells Abraham this in chapter 21, um, verse 10. She says, drive out this slave with her son for her son, for the son of this slave will not be a co-heir with my son Isaac. Now, this was very difficult for Abraham because of his son. And yet God told Abraham in verse 12, do not be concerned about the boy and your slave. Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her because your offspring will be blessed and traced through Isaac. And he also, of course, took care of Ishmael and allowed him to become a great nation as well. But God was very clear on this. You need to listen to your wife because she knows what she's talking about. The promise was not through Ishmael, it was not through the flesh. It was not through the old covenant. It was going to represent a new covenant. It was through the, the promise. It was through the birth of the spirit here and God's working in Sarah and Abraham's life. This new Um, son that they had was going to represent not Mount Sinai. And Paul talks a lot about this in Galatians, but in fact, Mount Zion or the Mount of Calvary, where Jesus Christ, of course, um, confirmed this covenant. And so as they go through this, Sarah immediately demands that Ishmael um, leave and that Hagar leaves. And so, of course, that happens and life goes on. And I want you to see what happens. Life passes. Now, listen to this. After waiting so many years, Sarah receives 37 years with her husband and with her son. God blesses them that they get 37 years all together as a family. And then she passes away. But I want you to catch the love of her husband and the love of her son that they have for her because it is a huge testament to who this woman was. So chapter 23 in verse one, we're going to see the ending of Sarah's life here. It says, now Sarah lived 127 years. These were all the years of her life. And Sarah died in a place called Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep deeply for her. 
And then Abraham got up from beside his dead wife, and he spoke to the Hittites, I am a foreign resident among you. Please give me a burial site among you so that I can bury my wife. Now, at this moment, the Hittites try to actually persuade Abram to just take the land. They say, we don't need you to purchase it. And Abraham was adamant that he actually purchased it from them. And so they allow him to. Here's something that's really amazing to me. Did you know this is the only piece of property Abraham ever owned in the land God had told him? him to go. This is the only piece of land Abraham actually ever purchased or ever owned in the land of Canaan. It's an amazing thing. And he purchased it so he could bury Sarah there. You see this love that he has for her. And can you imagine the deep mourning that that took place? Like we said at the start of this, Abraham and Sarah most likely were married when they were quite young, which was the custom. And before our story began with them, they most likely had been married 50 plus years. They are over a hundred. She's 127 years old. Could you imagine that long of a life together? And to lose that partner, Abraham had loved her so much that he had lied to protect her. She had loved him so much that she um, took so long to even offer the option of a slave and he never demanded it of her. The love between them was quite incredible. And you see that even in the lengths he goes to, to procure a proper place to bury her in his deep mourning for her. Now, something else that's very sweet is I want you to see how her son dealt with this. We're going to look at chapter 24, starting in verse 66. After Sarah had passed away and years had gone by, Abram told his servant to go get a wife for Isaac. And so at this time, we see the servant has found Isaac's wife, which we know to be Rebecca. And I want you to hear what it says in verse 66. Then the servant told Isaac everything he had done. And Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and took Rebekah to be his wife. He didn't bring her into his own tent or his father's tent. He brought her into the tent of his mother. And it says Isaac loved her and he was finally comforted after his mother's death. That's so beautiful to me because of how much he loved her. And then, of course, at the end of Abraham's life, we find out that Ishmael and Isaac take his father back to where Sarah was buried and Abraham is laid to rest right beside his wife. There was great love for this woman in their family. Isaac was never comforted after his mother's death until his own marriage. It's a beautiful thing how much they loved her. Sarah was deeply loved by her husband and her son. And like I said, this is a great testament to her life as a wife and a mother. But her journey of faith is very much like ours, and I want us to understand that today. It is a journey full of struggle as she struggled for faith, as she faced her doubts, as she slipped and fell and got back up and believed and then questioned again, wrestled with God, and finally made the choice to stand on faith. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Can anybody relate to her? Because from this, I want us to get real about faith. What is faith? Because I want to tell you it means more than just to believe. The word faith means this, to be fully persuaded and firmly convinced of God's truth. To be fully persuaded and firmly convinced of God's truth. When you are fully persuaded and firmly convinced, then that faith becomes the very substance of what you're hoping for and the evidence of the things not seen, like Hebrews 11 verse 1 tells us. But these words, persuaded and convinced, they are process words. They describe a process to us. Faith is a lifelong journey. It's a process in which we will struggle and battle through our doubt. And this is where I want to get real so maybe we can make some real progress here. Because how many of you have never struggled with doubt? Have you ever questioned God about his plan? If you have, I want to tell you congratulations. You're a part of humanity. But not only humanity, you are among some of the great heroes of the faith. 
including people like Abraham and David and Gideon and Moses, Jesus' own disciples, and of course, Sarah, all of these people had to struggle through doubt. Not to mention, I want to tell you, some of our great prominent Christian heroes of today wrote in depth about their trials of faith. People like C.S. Lewis and Martin Luther and Charles Spurgeon and even John Calvin He said this, for doubt is so deeply rooted in our hearts and we are so inclined to it that not without hard struggle is each one able to persuade himself that God is faithful. You see, faith is that end result of overcoming doubt and it's achieved often through hard struggle until we are fully persuaded and firmly convinced of God's truth. I think sometimes we only think that doubt is the opposite of faith, but I want to challenge you to think about this. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Doubt sometimes is an element of our faith. It's what we have to work through and struggle through. And I want to tell you something. You guys remember John the Baptist. I want to tell you, this is amazing to me. Even John the Baptist doubted. And do you remember when he was locked away waiting his, uh, for his execution? The book of Luke in chapter 7 tells us about this. He's awaiting his execution. And so he sends two of his disciples to Jesus to question him and ask this, are you the expected one or do we need to wait for someone else? Even John at this moment is saying, are you really who I thought you were? Because I'm waiting for death. Rome is still ruling. You're not sitting on a throne. Are you who I thought you were or do I need to wait for someone else? And listen to how Jesus responds to John. He tells his disciples, John's disciples, Go and report back to John what you have seen and heard. You tell him the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is the one who does not fall away because of me. But when the messengers of John had left, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. So listen to this. After he doubts, listen to what Jesus says about John. He says, what did you go out to see? A prophet speaking about John. And he says, yes, I say to you, but one who is more than a prophet. And in verse 27, he says this, this is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare a way before you. I say to you, among those born of women, there has been no one greater than John. Do you catch the commendation that Jesus is giving him? Because there was something so neat to see in his example. When John struggled with his doubt, he didn't pull up on Google answers to his questions. He didn't go to all of his friends and ask them. He didn't just keep it to himself and stuff his doubts inside of him. He took it straight to Jesus Christ. And it's almost like at this point, Jesus is saying, you know what? He may doubt me right now, but I don't doubt him. He is still my boy and he's going to figure this out. The first thing I want us to understand about Sarah is that even though um, she had to go through this lifelong process and she struggled through her faith, she was commended at the end of her life. And we know that through Hebrews eleven eleven, by faith, Sarah received the power to conceive. You see, finally, it was her faith that allowed her the power to conceive because she finally figured out that he who promised was faithful. You see, we are going to experience life a lot like Sarah. We are going to experience trials of faith. We're going to have to go through timing of faith. And finally, though, I want to tell you, if you persevere in this, if you endure in this, you will see the triumph of faith. Finally, Sarah was real before the Lord. She found out he knew all about her feelings and doubts, and he answered them with a question that he asks us today. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? 
You know, it's so neat. I don't know if you caught this, but the very first verse I read today in John 17, verse one, God finally gave them a name for him. He said, I am God Almighty. In the Hebrew, that word is El Shaddai. It means God all-sufficient, all-powerful. It speaks to the might of God, the inexhaustible stores of his bounty, that he is more able and ready to give to us than we will ever be ready and able to receive. There's a reason he gave them and us this name, because there is nothing too hard for our God. I love this. You see, sometimes it is necessary to struggle through our doubt, but I want to encourage you, don't break down before the end. Break through. Because it was her faith that gave her the power to conceive the seed that brought forth the fulfillment of God's plan. I've come to firmly believe that even when we don't know how or even what to believe God for, we can simply believe Him. It's such a neat thing to me. We can believe Him. We truly are called to follow Sarah's example. We're called to be submissive, loving wives and women who adorn themselves with inward beauty. But all of this falls under faith. We are called to have great faith. And like Sarah, it will be a journey, a lifelong process, but one in which we must never give up. Let it be said of us that we have fought the good fight, that we have kept the faith, that we have finished the race. I love James 1.12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So let us hold unswervingly, Hebrews tells us, to the hope we profess because he who promised is faithful. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would make us into men and women of great faith. God, help us to be able to answer that question that no, there is nothing too hard for you. And we will stand on faith knowing that you are El Shaddai. You are God Almighty. In Jesus' name, amen.